Listener supported. WNYC Studios. You're listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. We have one last book to recommend to you this hour, a novel that was a 2021 National Book Award finalist, was named one of President Obama's favorite books of the year, and named one of the best books of 2021 by The New York Times, NPR, Vulture, and many more. I am talking about the novel Matrix by Lauren Groff. Lauren was our October Get Lit with All of It book club author. The story revolves around a real historical figure, a 12th century poet named Marie de France, though historians know very little about her. In Lauren's telling, Marie is a tall, highly educated woman who is the illegitimate daughter of the King of England, a product of a rape. After living many years in the court of the legendary Eleanor of Aquitaine, Marie is determined to be unsuitable for marriage due to her large size. Instead, she is sent to be the prioress of a failing abbey. The abbey is on the brink of ruin, the nuns are starving, and Marie, who isn't particularly religious, is convinced she is destined to spend the rest of her days in misery. But soon, Marie sees opportunity in the abbey. She uses her new position and the holy vision she begins to receive to bring wealth to the abbey and transform herself into one of the most powerful women in the kingdom. I began my conversation with Lauren back in October by asking her about the real Marie de France. I wanted to know when Lauren first learned about her. So I was a French major and an English major in college, and I went to this little tiny liberal arts school called Amherst College, which allowed you to take tutorials. And so that's I'm an introvert. All I want to do is just be one-on-one with people, and so I, I, I used it. Uh, and for my entire sophomore year, I did Ancien Francais, which is Old French, and I just fell in love with courtly romance and Marie de France in particular. And I've been wanting to write a novel about her for 23 years now, and I finally did it. I understand that it came to you in a vision? Well, semi. Is that true? Yes. Semi? Well, yeah. Um, so I, I had carried around Marie de France for a very long time. She's a very, she's a real person. She uh, she was a writer of two books that we know of for sure, The Lay and The Fables. And The Lay are a collection of sort of fantastical short stories in uh, in poetry form. I love them very dearly. I couldn't figure out how, how to actually approach her because Nobody knows anything about her life, right? She's she's sort of this mysterious figure cloaked in shadows. Uh, but I I went to this amazing fellowship at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Studies, and I heard my friend Dr. Katie Burgess give a lecture. And as I was sitting the lecture, it's a lecture on the liturgies of medieval nuns. I really I really did have this this weird secular vision rise up in front of me and I all of the the issues that I was really passionate about at the day I saw a way to tell a story that encapsulated all of these things in the figure of Marie de France. Let's talk about Marie and some of the characteristics and things we've learned about we learn about Marie. Almost immediately we learn she's the product of a rape, the king raped her mother. It comes up repeatedly that she's a bastard and she's described as illegitimate. Two-part question, how does that shape how Marie feels about herself? And then in this time period, how does that shape the way the world views her? 
Yeah, Maria is a sort of a, a chimera in some ways. She's she's both noble and not, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I think to to write a novel, a long form work of fiction, you always have to find the way that the character feels like an outsider. I'm trying it's very very hard to write a novel from the very center because I think a lot of times people don't have the necessary distance to be able to to understand um the opposition, right? A novel is an inherently oppositional art form. Um, so so I had to write her from the outside a little bit, but I also had to make sure that she was a, an insider in that she was literate at a time when women were just not literate. They were not numerate. They certainly, if they could write or read, it was, it was generally not in multiple languages, unlike Marie, who was able to do that with great ease. Uh, she, you know, she was... In the course of the book, you see her becoming what would be today a very great businesswoman mm-hmm. or an Angela Merkel sort of person, right? She's 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 savvy in political terms too, so she's an intellectual in a way, um, and she's a powerful political figure. So I had to make her a noble because at the time, the only women who were given the gift of literacy were were noble women at the time. So um, so she had to be inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And I had to just make sure that she was able to be cast into this abbey against her will. Otherwise, she had no reason to write these lay to Eleanor of Aquitaine, who is her great platonic ideal, courtly romance, ideal and love object. Uh, So all of these things came out of her character and her character became huge, larger than life, very arrogant, somewhat narcissistic, um, but also very capable, right? And so she almost had a, a reason to be narcissistic in some ways. Um, she she internalized people telling her repeatedly over the course of her life that she was ugly. And that did something to her. That twisted her a little bit in an interesting way. It made her sort of feel like an outsider. It made her feel too much, too big, too loud, um, too able to enter into disputations with, with males, uh, which is not done at the time because women could not dare to be intellectual equals. All of these things molded a larger-than-life figure. Towards the end of the book, there's this moment when Marie says to her former lover and her old friend, no one but Marie has ever made Marie, which is such an interesting statement. And then the friend responds, no, since she has been the seed in her mother's womb, Marie has been molded by others, her mother, her ferocious aunts, her books, her money, that the queen had more hand in making Marie by sending her to the abbey than she had in making herself. She was given everything, not least a great blessings of ugliness. And she would repeat that Marie would right now be dust and rot with the grubs crawling through her ribcage if she hadn't been so lucky to be born ugly. <laughs> what did you want to explore about beauty? Well, the way that beauty and capitalism are deeply tied together and how this vision of of being self-made, of being sort of the hero that we are fed over and over and over again in all sorts of Western narratives. I mean, I just watched Dune the other night. Again, it's like a single hero that's going to save the world, the Messiah complex, right? All of these these narratives are inherently detrimental to um, the the communal vision of humans coming together to create a larger, more solid uh, social fabric. And so part of what I saw, I felt that I was doing in this book, and I would hope that readers also saw it, 
is is I am talking very deeply about the roots of capitalism and about the way that the 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 narrative of the the single individual hero is is at the forefront is the avant-garde of narratives of capitalism. It's just sort of entrenching the narrative as though it's a natural thing and it's not necessarily. So so I, I see her beauty or her lack thereof as um, and the way that Cecily says it in in the book is that um, you feel as though you've been in opposition as a single person all of your life. You've made yourself, but in, in reality, everyone around you has helped to make you. This is a collective effort. You're not um, the only single hero or single genius in, on the planet. This came up in the Instagram. It's already come up in the questions. What, is, what does Matrix mean here? Oh, it's the greatest word. It's <laughs> I, you know... I had I fought a little bit to keep it as the title just because of Keanu effing Reeves, um, <laughs> whom I love, right? <laughs> like it's fine, um, but it's 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 from the Latin for mother and uterus, right? So in multiple languages, I was just in Sweden. Um, matriz is uterus, and um, I think in Spanish too, it's it's sort of um, the uterus. Um, so. Matrix is also used in so many other extraordinary academic disciplines, too. So it's obviously organizational structure, sort of the matrix. Mm -hmm. um, it's computational structure, which we know of because of Keanu Reeves. Uh, it's <laughs> sort of the bedrock in which gems are found in geology. It is um, the original from which, um, say, records are reproduced or sculptures are reproduced. It's this word that has about a hundred different meanings, uh, many of which I wanted to, to turn around and mirror back into the book at hand. Right? I, I really, really wanted um, this, this word to mean multiple things. And in the book, it's used twice. It's used as um, seal matrix, which is uh, the the sort of the the seal that one presses into hot wax. That's that's a matrix, and then um, Eve, because she is the mother of all humans, is the great matrix. So we see her over and over again. I see the, see this word sort of reverberating multiple ways in the book. Let's discuss Eleanor of Aquitaine for a little bit. Yeah. We asked our readers why they thought Marie loved Eleanor, the woman who sent her from the court to the Abbey. It says all kinds of things about Marie. One of our readers said blood and hero worship. Another said power. Another said Marie admires Eleanor's power, needs her support and permission to thrive and identifies with her. Another said, it's hard to say. Why should she? <laughs> <laughs> Let's answer that last one. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I want I want it to be various and I wanted it to be layered and I wanted it to be a hundred different uh, reasons why she would have loved um, Eleanor Bakuten. Primar primarily because I absolutely adore Eleanor Vaquitin. I think she is the most interesting human in all history. <laughs> I think she's just astonishing and weird and wonderful. She lived a very long life with a lot of event in it, and she was powerful mm -hmm. in, in a way that um, just it's it's still extraordinary today. But also, Marie was not necessarily raised. Uh, in a dogmatic church, she went to church a lot, 
But when she finally got to the court of Eleanor of Aquitaine, this is the court where a lot of courtly love, the stories that we know of courtly love, were actually developed. I mean, she put a great deal of money into storytellers and troubadours and, and people who would be singing these songs about courtly love. And courtly love is a narrative that in some ways is very oppositional to a lot of the narratives of the church. So uh, courtly love, you can look online, but courtly love has a number of precepts, a, a number of rules that by which uh, people, they actually followed them in building these narratives. One of which, for instance, was marriage is no imp impediment to true love. So it's almost condoning adultery, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. in, and the church is not for that. So I saw this as, in some ways, in Marie's life, as an oppositional narrative to the one of the church that she was being forced to take on for the rest of her life. And so she took it in, and her impossible love was Eleanor of Aquitaine. That was the, the shining light toward which she, she, she directed her lay, um, toward which she directed her ire, her ambition. She wanted to be like her. She wanted to, to show her that she was wrong in throwing her out. I mean, there's, there are many reasons why Marie had to love Eleanor and why this love and hate sort of went back and forth in, ter in terms of distance and passion and, and fury over the course of her life. But it's the one constant in her life, too, other than the, this abbey, this place, and these people around her. That was my conversation with Lauren Groff about her novel, Matrix. It was a finalist for the 2021 National Book Award and our October Get Lit With All Of It book club selection. And that is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. Happy reading and Merry Christmas. And I will meet you back here next time. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.